This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let me tell you something that you already know. We all love to refresh our snack drawers, right? But when was the last time you refreshed your sock drawer? If you can't remember, it's probably time for an upgrade. Bombas socks are made with comfort innovations like arch support, a seamless toe, a cushioned footbed. This is all socks speak for incredibly comfortable, and they come in hundreds of colors and styles, making them perfect for men, women, and kids. I love these socks. I love the way they feel. I love the way they look. And I love the company itself and its mission. And now... Bombas has a new line of merino wool socks that are made from soft, warm, and naturally moisture-wicking merino wool. It's designed with all of Bombas' classic comfort features, too. From keeping cool and dry on your morning run to staying comfortable in your office's freezing air conditioning. Hey, by the way, I know about that. My studio is freezing. Every day it's freezing. Bombas' socks are ready to work for me, and they're ready to work for you. And for every pair of socks you buy, Bombas will donate a pair to somebody in need. This is what I mean when I talk about their mission. Bombas are what feet daydream about. Buy your Bombas at bombas.com slash Rome and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Rome and get 20% off. Bombas.com slash Rome. And a lot of states, that's assault. So you would never throw a beer in my face if me and you sitting in the bar side by side with just me and you and a beer. So why would you throw it from the stands? Because you thought you was protected. Well, that one day, that's a lesson for a lot of fans. Don't disrespect. Watch the game because you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't throw that bear if you was in a fan with that, that same athlete by yourself. You know you'll get crushed, so don't do it then. Clones, what's cracking? What's up? Welcome back. I've got another episode of the Jim Rome Podcast. We officially made it to triple digits last week, and now we move on with episode 101 and counting. Today's guest truly is one of a kind. When he's not tearing it up on the talk show circuit, he's doing it in the big three, where he made the finals last season. He also won an NBA championship with the Spurs in 2003. He was the 42nd pick overall in 1997. He played for eight teams in 14 years in the association, and now he's the co-host of All the Smoke. It's a video podcast. He's co-hosting it with Matt Barnes. It premiered on Showtime's YouTube channel earlier this week. Of course, I'm talking about Steven Jackson. I'd been looking to chop it up and get caught up with him for quite some time. And when you listen to this, you'll know why that is. So let's not waste any time. Let's get Ep 101 rolling right now with Steven Jackson. Steven, it is great to have you on this podcast. In fact, you are co-hosting your new podcast yourself. It's a new video podcast called All the Smoke with your guy Matt Barnes. Let me start right there. The first episode dropped this week. It's going to air every Thursday going forward. Now, you know how the content game works, right? There are 8 billion podcasts. Everybody's looking to cut through all the clutter. So how are you and Matt approaching the project, and how did that first episode feel? Man, it felt great. Thanks for having me on. Again, good talking to you. Um, it felt great. I think the what separates me and Matt is not only do we have the resume as far as basketball players, but we're, we we are, we always been for the people. 
and I think the people know that. You know, uh, I, we make it known that we represent everybody and we love everybody. And to be two NBA champions that's coming from that side of the game with experience and all our all our takes and everything we say is coming from the right place. We don't have no agendas, and it's the uncut, unfiltered response that everybody say in the barbershops that they say on the streets. They never hear from people who, who, who they really want to hear from. So all our stuff is raw. We're giving you all the smoke, you know, the things that people want to hear. And, uh, you know, the Showtime has gave it, given us a great outlet, and uh, we just we just want to make everybody proud. Man, you're so right. The barbershop is the place to be. That's If you want to keep it real, if you want to hear the way people really talk and the way people really feel, you go to a barbershop. Now, what about the types of interviews you're looking to do? What types of people are you looking to bring on, and what kind of conversations do you want to have? Well, we, we, it's not a limit. We don't want to do just athletes, you know. We want to do entertainers. We want to do uh, leading women that, that, that that's really making the noise for women today that's in, in the right way. We also plan on having a guy like Sean King on. You know, we want to touch all the things that's for the people that that um, comes close to our culture, that comes close to, to everything that's going on around us to make this world a better place, but also sports. You know, we basketball is big, and we know a lot about that, so of course we're going to touch on that. But other sports too, just all the all the top topics, and we're gonna have every guest you probably could name that want to come on. You know, I really don't want to limit ourselves because everybody has something to say, and we want we want people to understand that just because you don't you, you disagree with someone doesn't mean you have to disrespect them. It's a way to disagree with somebody, but still give them the same respect that you deserve, and and that's that's gonna be a big way to handle things on our show. You know, much like what you guys did on the floor, a lot of this works because of chemistry. And obviously, you guys have a great deal of respect and admiration for each other. In fact, I used to love watching both you guys go to work as players. What was Matt like as a teammate, and what was Matt like to play against? Well, playing against, I think I was like playing against myself. You know, somebody somebody that not going to give you anything. Uh, he loved you to death, but when you're on the court, you know, you got to earn it. And uh, we both earned, we both had to work to earn everything we've given. And, and, and we've always been like brothers, you know, for his mom passed, my mom, his mom became real cool. And when we played together to now, we've always been brothers. We hang out, we spend a lot of time together. So the chemistry is natural. It's just like we are home, you know, smoking a joint, talking about sports. You know, this, this is how our show is, authentic as possible. And uh, he's my brother. He's, he's just as much of a brother as if we had the same mom. Listen, I'm going to talk to you in a minute about smoking a joint. I got a few thoughts on that, but and I'll get there. I promise I'll get there. But you know, it's kind of understood that neither of you dudes were to be trifled with. Like everybody knows who will go. At least you guys. Everybody knows who will go, and people in the league know who won't. People know who you can try and who you can't. Who were some of the other dudes that you either played with or went up against that everybody knew? You just don't want to fuck with that guy. Well, it's one person. I'll be happy to. There's two people actually. I'll be happy to name. Derek Coleman and Charles Oakley. That's that, that that's two guys you did you did not mess with because you knew at any given time, any given moment, if you disrespect them or if you try them, they gone at that moment, at that second. Don't care who's their referees or anybody. So that's the way I've always been. That's who I learned from. That's the attitude I've always had. You know, if you if you gonna really go there, you know, just make sure when you come to me with it, you're ready to fight because I'm not one of them guys that's gonna do it for TV and just trying to get you know a little fame because I know the referees gonna come break it up in ten seconds. Trust me, Jim, it's a million of those guys in the league that start stuff and know the referees coming, so they're going to be tough for TV. Trust me. Like fake tough guys, right? It's a million of those. 
Stephen Jackson, my guest. You know, you, I knew you'd mention Oak because everybody goes there. I'm glad you mentioned D.C. Stephen, I remember back in the day when Derek Coleman was playing, I had a coach tell me, he's like, you just don't get it. Nobody gets it about D.C. This guy literally is the purest, best guy ever. He would be the greatest player ever if he could just kind of get that consistency down. Like, from a pure basketball standpoint, how good was Derek Coleman? Oh, my goodness. He was he was he was Lamar Odom way before Lamar Odom. Right. With way with way more toughness, you know what I'm saying? Way more toughness as me mentality. And I think one thing about Derrick Coleman, he was also that dominant in college. So when Derrick Coleman came to the league, his game was 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 so was so Detroit, was so Michigan that you know, people were kind of afraid of him. He was so big, he wasn't an outspoken guy. He was a mean guy just you know, and he, he had he had that street that street persona, and he has a, a big street reputation before he came to the NBA, and a lot of people knew that. But just the way he carried himself, a, a good businessman, he carried himself like to me, he carried himself like a mafia boss, and that's why I always respected him. You know, and, and then I even remember when the brawl happened. Uh, if you look at the brawl, and while we was breaking up everything from Ben throwing stuff at Ron Artest, I ran around the table to kind of square up with Rip Hamilton and and, and Lindsey Hunter. You know, because we was all in the bra, and Derek Coleman walked up. I kind of backed up and went <laughs> and was like, nah, I don't want, I don't want that smoke. <laughs> I don't want no smoke with Derek Coleman, but he's somebody I always respected, and he's just one of those guys that guys in the NBA fear. Uh, Steven, that shit is so good. Like, that, that is so good that you just said that about D.C. Like, have you ever taken a step back in your life? Uh, nah, not, 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 not that I can remember, but that day, one thing about me, I work smarter, not harder. And I, you know, I, I, I don't run from no battles, but at that day, that wasn't a smart move. <laughs> that's <laughs> really, smart move. that's so good. You know, you mentioned what we're talking about is the malice and the palace. And if <laughs> dude, the malice and palace makes me laugh every time, like be, because I had my own little moment that the whole world saw, the shit's funny now, but it's not really funny in that moment. So I'm not making fun of it, but the whole name malice and the palace kind of makes me laugh. It's so amazing. But you had one of the best seats for that thing that you just brought up. That was your first year with the Pacers, Stephen. So obviously there was some existing bad blood between those two teams. But when you took the floor that night, did you have any idea how intense that rivalry already was? I had no clue. That was my first year on the team. Uh, they they had played each other in the East Conference Finals. They had bad blood. I had no clue what was going on. Obviously, I was I was there for my team. I was going to ride with my team, and I was there as a Pacers player. I had no idea that. Guys owed each other fouls. Guys wanted to fight. I had no clue because I was cool with everybody. Chance was like a big brother. Me and Rasheed was like a big brother. Me and Rip graduated together in 96 McDonald's game, so we were cool. So I had no problems with all those guys. But once I showed up in the arena, I guess it was me. I guess I was, since I was on the Pacers, Pacers team, I was the enemy as well. But I was all for it. If I'm with you, I'm with you. Dude, you're so right. Those guys, those were all great guys and great players, right? Rip, Chauncey, Lindsey Hunter. But then it all of a sudden goes down. Like, everybody knows what happened, but I don't think everybody knows exactly what precipitated it. What happened right before the hell broke loose? Well, uh, it, it, basically what happened was it was some beef that happened the year before. I didn't know nothing about it. Actually, we're doing a, we're doing a documentary out right now that's coming out. But Jamal Tinsley basically told... Ron, something about a foul that he owed Ben, and Ron didn't forget it. And one thing led to another. I was guarding Ben at the end of the game. You know, I, I was trying to get out of there because that was our chance to win the championship, and I knew we were a good team. But one thing, it, one thing happened, and it happened too fast. And 45 seconds later, a whole, a whole brawl breaking out.
Listen, I mean, you've covered that so many times. I'm not trying to rehash the whole thing, but let me just ask you this. Like, I get this with respect, but like we talk about this on the show all the time and you can kind of add a little bit of clarity to it. There are certain universal reasons to go, right? Like if a man spits in your face, that's a reason to go. If you insult a person's race or religion, that's a reason to go. If somebody close to you is threatened, that's a reason to go. In terms of Ron, is throwing a drink on somebody in their face or on them, is that also a universal reason to go? Yeah, I mean that's that's disrespectful, and in a lot of states that's assault. That's assault. So, you know, if, I mean they they expect you to be a bigger person all the time. But a lot of people, this a lot of people don't know, Jim. Ron got assaulted twice because when I went when I got in the stands, another beer was thrown in front of him. You can't, you don't. If you you would you would never throw a beer in my face if me and you sitting in the bar side by side with just me and you and a beer. So why would you throw it from the stands? Because you thought you was protected. Well, that one day, that's a lesson for a lot of fans. Don't disrespect. Watch the game because you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't throw that bear if you was in a fan with that, that same athlete by yourself. You know you'll get crushed, so don't do it then. So when that went down and, and Ron's head to the stands, are you thinking, Stephen, are you thinking, man, this is not a good idea? Or were you not thinking anything at all? Were you thinking, that's my guy. I'm not letting him go up there alone. I'm going in well, there Jim, with him. Jim, if I'm with you and we're at a bar and somebody says something to you, I'm going to be the first one to say something. I'll deal with the consequences later. I didn't think twice. Once I went in there, in the stands, I did what I had to do, and once I got back to the locker room, yeah, I had time to think about it. But in the midst of the, in the moment, you don't think about it. You just think about the safety of your brother, and that's how it should be. That's why people love you, man. That's why they loved you as a teammate. That's why they love playing with you. So, Stephen, you grew up in Point, Port, or Port Arthur. For those who don't know, that's about two hours outside of Houston. For those who don't know, what's Port Arthur like, and what was it like for you to come up that way? Well, if you, if, if, it was something that just came out that Port Arthur, uh, Port Arthur, um, Detroit, Michigan, and another city uh, in Indiana, uh, uh, another Gary, Indiana. My city, Gary, Indiana, and the city of Detroit are the three most miserable cities in the United States. And I agree with that. My, my city is, is, is eight. Is, uh, it was one high school, one mall, eight sets of low-income housing. That's how it was when I grew up. So, so it was a place where if you get out, you're blessed. And you're lucky. That's it. Everybody doing the same thing. Everybody know everybody. Everybody hustling. But I had some people to look up to, you know, Janis Joplin, Jimmy Johnson, B.J. Tyler, some people that made it, that made me believe that it was, it was feasible for me. So having a family I had, just the attitude and the gift of basketball, it got me out. I'm not no different than nobody from my hometown. I just think God had this path for me, and I did the tour. You know what I'm saying? I stuck to that path. Mm. So talk about Believe. You and Matt were members of the We Believe Warriors, and that was a team that even to this day resonates in the community. You guys shocked Dallas, who was a one seed. You were the eight. What made that team so unique, and what do you remember most about that series? Well, I think that we played for each other. You know, I've been on a lot of teams where guys have their own agendas. Guys, you know, they play with each other, but they really don't like each other. That was a different situation with our team. We were together on and off the court. We played for each other. Uh, nobody, a lot of times when teams didn't believe, you know, we believed in ourselves because we had a team full of guys that had been journeymen, Jim. We had a team full of guys that every time we step on the court, we have something to prove. BD was a, uh, had been around. He went from an all-star to guys saying he can't play. Me, Matt, Al, Monte, we all bounced around and been a different team. So just the fact that we was able to play together and we knew that we could do something good and we all had the same passion for the game, I think it's, it's, I can't name two teams that I was on that the, you have eight to ten guys that you know going to compete every night you know, and not worry about their personal gains. And that's why we were able to make history and beat Dallas in the first round. We didn't have more success because we really over-exceeded, over-exceeded our season by beating Dallas, and we put so much energy into that 
uh, we wasn't ready for Utah, but but this that team was special, and uh, that's that's all my brothers, and that's a, that's one of the teams I can honestly say, Jim, that we played for each other. It was a no personal game. We all wanted to win for each other. Steven, Don Nelson, dude, he is unbelievable these days. He's kicking it in Maui, smoking a lot of pot, living the life. What do you think when you look at him right now and the life he's living? I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm glad he took our advice. You know, when he was coaching us, he was drinking a lot of smoking a lot of cigars. We was like, Don, you need to come on to this side. It's healthier. You know, it, it, it's better for you. And, uh, you know, years later, now he has Nelly Kush in Maui. He's looking good. I don't think he drinks as much. He has his hair that grew a little bit. And uh, I, I was able to see him looking better in better shape. You know, just a happy guy because he deserves it. All, all of the stuff he, he's, give, he's given to the game, energy he's given to the game, and all the stuff he's done for us. So we plan on making an episode of our show, the We Believe episode, where a lot of, some of the guys from the team are going to go out to Hawaii, to Maui, sit down with Nelly, try his, Maui, his Nelly Kush, and, and, just, and just rehash some old memories. I was going to say, Stephen, have you yet tried the Nelly Kush, and is it as good as he says it is? I haven't tried the Nelly Kush. He says it's good. I haven't tried it, but, you know, Viola has men out here to have our own company, and so does Matt. So we have all the good stuff we need. <laughs> right. Matt, Matt, has, Matt has seven leaves. That's his company, so we have all the good stuff we need. You know what? You Like you said, that you were trying to tell him back in the day, listen, man, come over to the R side, the drinking and the opioids, it's not the cigars, they're not healthy. You told TMZ last year, quote, I smoked my whole career. I had a hell of a career. After the games coming down, relaxing, yeah, it helped, end quote. Stephen, you're right. You had a hell of a career. You had a great run. So as somebody who smoked after the games, what role did weed play in your career? For instance, did it prolong your career? Was it recreational, or did it have professional benefits? All of it. It, pro- it definitely prolonged my career. I mean, I, I just played in the big three. Ice Cube League with a torn patella and made it to the championship game. I've been one of the lead scorers in this league at 40, at 41 years old the last few years. So it's it definitely helped me to, to, to keep, still keep playing. But mentally and physically, Jim, I'm one of those guys that I gave everything to the game. Game night, I'm, I'm putting my body on the line. I'm doing everything. If I have to fight, get my teeth knocked out, whatever I have to do for my team, I'm going to do that. I was that guy. So at times, I need to go home and get my body back right to, to, to be able to play the next day. And it also helped me mentally. You deal with stuff off, on and off the court as, as athletes. People don't understand. You know, I, I'm, I've always been a realist. Baby mama drama will drive you crazy where, you can't, where, where it's hard to perform. You know, little things on the court and off the court that you, that you have no control over. Family members getting sick. There's all kinds of stuff that you deal with as a human being when people don't think you're human. The cannabis helped me my whole career with that. And one thing about me, Jim, I can say this. I did it the right way. I never got suspended. Never missed a game, never been pulled over and went to jail for it, nothing like that. Okay, not, nothing like that because I did it the right way. And it's not what you do, it's how you do it, Jim. I, I didn't do it for people to know I was smoking. I didn't do it to be cool and for people to know. I had been smoking since I was 12 years old. So it was a part of my life, and it helped me cope. It helped me relax, and it works for me. It might not work for everybody because everybody's not mentally strong. But at the end of the day, if you're doing it for the right reasons, then people will respect it. All right, so everything's changing right now, Stephen. So we're getting more and more open to this, and legislation's changing, and it's more accessible. But back in the day, it was not like that. So as you were doing that, how were you able to beat the drug tests and beat the system? Well, you know, I, I, knew, I knew times when, it, when, it, when they were coming. But sometimes, you know, it, it, it was ways to beat the program. Like, it was ways, like, the, the, the rules were different then. So if, if, if you failed and went in the drug program, you could stay in the drug program and smoke. 
I did. I smoked in, up until every time it, was, it came to a situation where they were supposed to suspend me or find me, I would stop and get out the program. But I would, I would, but I would, I would push the limit. I would push the limit. But I would never, I would never do it where it would get me suspended or, or affect my job. And that's why, that's why people always respected how I did it because it never affected my job or my teammate or my organization. So, Stephen, let me ask you this. Like, we all like to get down a certain way. Like, me, I'm a big martini guy. I was a big gin guy until all of a sudden that didn't agree with me so much. So now I'm more of a vodka guy. But I've got a certain way that I like to do it, a certain process. I've got a certain glass, a certain brand, a certain olive. I like to drink my drink a certain way at a certain time. How do you prefer to smoke? What's your process? How do you best like it? Uh, well, I, I like backwoods. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a natural, it's a natural leaf. Um, I like to... Go in and, and, and smoke it out of a cigar, kind of a cigar leaf blunt, a natural leaf. Um, I really don't do papers. Papers kind of, I'm old school. I'm old school. So I'm, I don't use grinders. I don't use none of that, that new technology stuff. I break it down with my hands, roll it up, and that's how I do it. And then one thing about me, I like to do it in the, in the comfort of my own home or in a, in a place where I'm comfortable with people around me because having to do it and try to hide it, what's, what's the why, why do something that you have to hide? You know, I, I like to I like to do it in the comfort of my own people, where I'm not offending nobody because people can't take it the wrong way. But the only thing I have to say to people who take it the wrong way, I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm just trying to enjoy my life because you only get one shot at this thing. Right. You know, you're not trying to convince anybody of anything, right? So let me right, ask you this. Right. Not at all. See, See, under, understand exactly. Understand where I'm coming from with this. I'm not in any way looking to toss any old beef in the microwave. But I thought this exchange was unbelievable, and I thought the topic it's an important topic. So like. When former MLB great and recovering substance abuser Daryl Strawberry said that marijuana was a gateway drug, you took offense to that. You posted a video and you said, quote, you're a whole cokehead out here, brah. Now, th- that was a significant clapback. And then after the yeah. fact, you made a second video. You made a second video where you apologized for making it personal. But I'm curious, did you guys ever talk about that after the fact? Was that the nah. end of it? And it, kind of explain where you're coming from with that. Yeah, I'm, I, I, would, I mean, I, it, everything's a conversation, but you can't jump out there and say it's a gateway drug because cocaine and marijuana, and marijuana is not even in the same category. First of all, let me say that, okay? And uh, I've never seen, I've never seen nobody um, sell it, uh, sell their microwave and their whole house for some drugs that's that's smoking marijuana. Number two, second, um, I don't, spe- I wouldn't speak on cocaine, Jim, because I don't know nothing about it. I've never done it. I never tried it. So marijuana, I can speak on that. I've done it my whole life. I know where it takes me. I know the positive sides of it. Don't speak on stuff you don't know. You know, by him, by uh, if you, by having somebody that's knownly missed coke, missed games, and been arrested for cocaine, you're not the one to speak on on marijuana. And 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 and, and that's what we're trying to do. Everybody that, that has no experience, that have no um, a knowledge on on the plant and what it's doing. You can't speak on because it's guys like us that did it the right way, and there's guys in the NBA, and there's guys in the NFL. You know, like some of the best players that's, that's coming out of the NFL, NFL now, saying they use it. It's, it, it, it's benefits from it. It's a positive side of it. And if you're gonna speak on it, speak on it the right way. That's I'm, that's, that's my perfect example. It was I'm not gonna speak on cocaine because I've never done it. He can speak on cocaine. He can speak on it all he wants better than anybody. But don't speak on the flower like that because. It, 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 it's taken away from all the hard work guys like Al Harrison, Matt Barnes, and other guys doing to try to get people to look at it the right way because it is saving people's lives. 
Steven Jackson, listen, if you're talking to me like this on my podcast, I know your podcast is going to be absolutely <laughs> awesome because this, this is a great, great conversation. Listen, before, and I appreciate it. I really do appreciate you. Before you go, you saw the Lakers and the Clippers last night. So when you're looking at the West, who's coming out of the West this year, Lakers, Clippers, or somebody else? I got, I, I got the Lakers. I mean, it was one game last night. Obviously, I can't wait to Braun get that killer instinct. I mean, he, I'm, I'm such a big fan of LeBron. Every time I, think, I watch him play, I'm thinking game one uh, in the finals against Golden State where he had that great game. But he didn't, he didn't have the energy I wanted him to have last night. Obviously, I'm not LeBron, but uh, I still got the Lakers. I, I, don't, I don't think uh, one game will, will be the reason why they, you know, people can start going against the Lakers. I just think the Clippers, had a, they got, they got a, fi- a more feisty team. They got a team full of dogs. And um, I think the Lakers need to try to go to the same kennel the Clippers with to try to get some dogs on their team. See, my only, my only question, Stephen, about the Clippers coming in last night was they had a team of dogs last year. I love the way they get after it. I was curious if they would still have that team of dogs when they added a couple of MVP candidates. They're still dogs, man. They're still nasty. Yeah, they're still they, nasty. They, 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 added, they added two Preston Canary dogs. They added, they added two of those big old dogs that fight lions. That's it. That's it. it. Listen, what about the Warriors? Do you think the Warriors can contend for a title without Clay Thompson? Not at all. I mean, I'm a Warrior fan. I love Clay. I'm, I'm a part of the Warriors family. Uh, even when the championship was San Antonio, Warriors the only team that make me feel like family and bring me back every year. Even have a picture of me in the new arena. So I love the Warriors. I'm always going to be the Warriors family. But being realistic, I've always been real. Not having Clay is going to hurt. You already don't have KD. Uh, I think. I think – Draymond's going to really hurt this year because the guys he's normally making plays for, two of those guys aren't there. And Clay is a big part of their team. Clay is one of the best two-way players in the league. Not having him, they're really going to see, you know, how important he is. And it's going to be a lot of pressure on Steph. I just don't want Steph to put too much pressure on him where he can't play. We already know not having Clay is going to be hard, but don't don't put too much expectation on yourself. You have to go, you have to go out there and be confident. But I don't I don't see this team. Uh, even making a lot of noise. They might squeeze in the playoffs, but it's going to be, a, it's going to be a, a hell of a season for them to pull that off. Steven, when you mentioned KD, let me ask you this really quickly. He said last month, man, I never really felt like I was one of the guys when I was there. What do you make of that statement? I understand that. I mean, you got to think, these three guys were drafted there. Put it like this. I, I felt the same way with Tony Ginobili and Tim Tom and uh, Tim Duncan. Okay. Uh, 03, I hit all the big shots to win the championship. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm making all the big plays in the first round against Spains. I'm hitting the big shots. You know, it's basically me and Ginobili. But at the end of the season, they want to they take care of everybody except me. Those three guys were draft, uh, all, all drafted there. You know what I'm saying? That's the same thing with KD. Uh, Clay, Steph, and Draymond were all drafted there. This is, this is their team. You coming into something that was already built. So I, I totally understand. It wasn't a knock to them. You know, they probably accepted him as family. But if you look at the original picture, he wasn't in it. Steven, when you when you rolled or when you ran with the Spurs, you hit so many big shots that year in the postseason. So many big shots. What was that like as a fit? I mean, they were so the Spurs. I got nothing but respect. You know this. They, but the way they handle themselves and the way they do business, I don't know. Let's just say those dudes aren't from Port Port Arthur, right? So how did that work? Right. How did that fit? How did you fit in with them? Did you change for them, or did they change for you? How did that work? I, uh, to, to be honest, Jim, you know, I'm be real. I had to change somewhat. Um, you know. When, after some league, I was second in scoring league. I, I think I was second behind Dirk in the summer league when I played with the Spurs. And Pop came to me right after the summer league, like, you play on my team, but you got to promise me you're not going to smoke weed. I need you to play defense, not smoke weed, and you will make you will play on my team. I did one of them. I played defense. I never stopped smoking weed. <laughs> Great. You know, I, I, told him I, I told him I was, but I never stopped. But being on that team, you know, it, it, it did a lot for me. You know, being to being, ex, I was accepted 
by Tim Duncan first, the best player on the team, accepted me first, embraced me like a little brother, brought me in. Then Steve Smith took me on this wing as a little brother. So one of the, the veterans, one of the, the, the best guys, one of the more professional guys in the league is taking me on this wing. And they're both showing me how to be a professional. They show, they show me how, 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 how to have longevity in this game, how to approach the game, how to work out for the game, all the stuff I did not know. So San Antonio was great for me, but at the same time, it wasn't for me because I was totally different. You know, I, like, I, I go out to clubs. I like to hang out. They don't do none of that type of stuff. So I wasn't changing for nothing. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't changing myself. I was, I was willing, willing to play more defense and change my game. But as a human, as, as who I was as a person, I'm, I'm never changing that for nobody. Right. What a good answer that is. Listen, last thing, like, I'm not trying to make you and me out to be the old heads that we are, but when you look at the young <laughs> guys, right, Stephen? But when you look at the young guys right now, do the young guys not, I'm not looking to paint everybody with one stroke or one broad stroke, but do the right. young guys today generally love the game for the game, because I know you did and you do, or do they love the game for what the game can do for them? And, uh, it's funny you say that. Herm Edwards told me this. The great Herm Edwards. We was working at ESPN one time. We sit down talking, and he was like, Jack, you know what? You know what I love about you? Everything you do, you do it with passion. You put your heart from working on TV to playing basketball and NBA to playing a big three. You do it with passion. What I notice about the game of basketball now, a lot of kids love what the game can do for them and actually love and playing the game. And that's where it is. These guys are friends. You know, there's nothing wrong with these guys being friends. You know, the game is at a state where it's never been. Everybody's making a lot of money. So the game is taking care of these guys. It's even more of a reason to appreciate it, Jim. You know, we had to work hard. We had to claw our way. We had to, you know, claw our way to, to even be seen or noticed to get to the NBA. And where it is now, I love it. I'm not complaining. For, I'm, I'm happy for these guys. But show more appreciation by competing. Show more appreciation by going out there and fighting for the game and fighting for your brothers to win games and show you care about the game. Show the fans you're willing to dive on the court and bleed for the, to win a basketball game. And that, that's a rarity in the game. You have a few guys that are still willing to do that. That's why I like watching what guys like Russ. I like, I like watching guys like Patrick Beverly. They cut under that old club. They're from the old law. But there's more guys in the game now, Jim. You hit it on the nose. They're more interested in what the game can do for them than actually loving the game of basketball. So, Stephen, wrap it up with this then. Can we remind people what you had to go through to get to the league? I mean, understand this. You might have played 14 years. You might have got your ring. You might have got a lot of run. But you did not start in the NBA. Where did you have to go? Where did you have to play? And what did you have to do to even get that shot in the NBA? Well, I got uh, broke both of my feet before I got to the NBA. I tried out for seven, like 17, 18, NBA teams. Um... I don't even know how many teams I tried out for, to be honest. This is a lot. Uh, played Venezuela, Dominican Republic, um, Australia. Uh, I mean, I, I've been, I don't know. I, 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 it took me a long road to get here, man. I, did, I didn't think I was going to make it, but, you know, that, that, that's, that's the road that was paid for me. But breaking both of my feet before I made it almost made me give up. But uh, being from Puerto Rico and the family I have kept me pushing. And then, Stephen, last thought, you got a shot with the Suns. And the reason I bring this up, his is so great. Like, now that you're a member, well, you've been on both sides, but now you're in the media, now you push content. Way back in the day, I had an interview, and it was a panel. And I can't remember if it was on Fox or ESPN, but Cedric Sabalos was on the panel. Well, I had no idea, you know, the whole story. I was on ESPN. I remember Jay Kidd. I didn't know if Jay Kidd remembered the story. But, um... Mike Baby's mom brought me up there to play pickup, and I had no idea that I was actually trying out for the Phoenix Suns. I thought I was just going to play pickup. And uh, Cedric Zabala just so happened to be in front of me. Cedric Zabala's a great guy. He's somebody I respect, and he was a real cool dude and still is to this day. 
But that day, I had no love for him. I had an opportunity to go out there and play with Jason Kidd, all these pros at uh, 18, 19 years old. And uh, it was an opportunity that I wasn't, I wasn't taking lightly. I went out there and played as hard as I could. I was slam dunking, cursing people out, talking trash. You know, I was a little hungry kid from Port Arthur, Texas. So uh, I forever, forever will praise Mike Whippy's mom for that opportunity because that got me drafted by the Phoenix Suns. They told me they was going to cut me because they had second to the last pick of the draft. But uh, just the fact that I got drafted, it made me feel like I made it. And I, I, I didn't know I had a long road ahead of me after I got drafted. I didn't know I was going to break, you know, both of my feet and all this other stuff. But the fact that Jason Kidd said I belonged in the league, the fact that Danny Ainge said he was going to draft me with his only pick, all that was, was confidence for me going forward. Dude, those are good days, man. I mean, we're all looking forward, but I love those days. I remember Seth Zabalos because I went to school at Santa Barbara, Stephen, so I was in the Big West. I remember him dominating at Fullerton. I remember Jay Kidd was the guy who came on my TV show the day after Jim Everett and I got into it. I remember those days. These were all good days, man, all good days, but there's still great days ahead. Listen, for those oh, yeah, who do not know, ahead of us. listen, where, where do they find the new podcast? When does it drop? How do they access it? Okay, we, we, we dropped episode zero already. Uh, it's, all, it's on all streaming platforms, all the smoke. Showtime Sports, you can go on Showtime Sports, you can go to Showtime YouTube Basketball to, uh, to get the video. Stephen, the thing about this is, and I've always said this about athletes, you got to bring something to it. You and Matt Barnes both have very different points of view. Obviously, you've got some amazing insight, experience, and great anecdotes. Dude, I cannot tell you how fun that was, how much I appreciate your time, and I'm really looking forward to that podcast. Great, great job. Thanks so much. Jim, I appreciate it. We look forward to having you on our show as well, man. Much love as always. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake this time. Don't eat a bar. Instead, reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Now, why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender, and it's made from real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef very seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried, tough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those of you who like to take things up a notch. Next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper. What's your beef? And just like that, the page is officially turned, and now we are on to the next 100 episodes. And what a damn good way to start with Steven Jackson on Ep 101. Now, I say this all the time, but I cannot stress it enough. Getting subscribed to this is the best thing that you can do for both you and for the pod itself. Because getting subscribed means you will never miss a future episode, and every subscription boosts the exposure of the podcast to new eyes that we're hoping to convert to new ears. So if you don't mind, can you smash that button for me and for you on your way out? As always, I appreciate you listening. Thank you very much for that. And to show my appreciation, here are your voicemails on my personal number, 949-385-0447. Put it in your phone right now, 949-385-0447. First new message. Hey, Jim, this is Gabe. I live in Wyoming. I grew up in Southern California, so I listened to you in 1999. I'm in the military now for about 20 years. 
You've made a lot of deployments go by a lot faster. I want to say thank you for everything that you do. The first podcast I listened to was episode 100 with Goggins. I went back, started at number one. I'm already at 30 with Elk. I love the one with Goggins, Molly Bloom. Keep doing what you're doing, Jim. Thank you for everything, man. I love listening to you. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim. What's up? This is David from Buffalo calling in. Now, everybody talks about Miami and the Redskins being the worst team. No, the Atlanta Falcons are the worst team. They have literally run to the bus. They booked their tee times for January, and Dan Quinn has booked himself on a one-way ticket out of the ATL. I'll see you later, Rome. Message saved. Next message. Rome, Phil and Spokane, first and foremost, congrats on the Hall of Fame. Long overdue. I just listened to F100 with Goggins. My goodness, I had to go back and listen to the other one. I'm telling you shit. If you can't run through a fucking brick wall after listening to that, man, you got no motherfucking... Message saved. Next message. Jim Rome, Matthew here in Oxford, Mississippi. How about those Mississippi Rebels in the NFL? Evan Ingram, DK Metcalf, Toddy Toddy, gosh almighty, who the hell are we? Hey, Slim Flam, Bim Bam, Ole Miss, bye. Message deleted. Next message. Hi, Jim. It's Bella B in Calgary. Today is election day in Canada, and I don't like any of the candidates, so I'm going to spoil my ballot and write your name in. Just kidding. Message deleted. You have no more messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.